Welcome to the Paragol Podcast. This is Jerry Pickney, and I'm joined today by Libby Glasgow. Libby, thanks for coming on. Hey, you're welcome. So let's talk about the bishop. <laughs> what is it, and why is it not on your menu? Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe you opened with that. That's my, I just, I, I, I need like to know. I feel like Carly Simon's about to come out of me right now. I, I need to know. First off, it's a, it's a salad. It's a salad. And I think it's delicious. What's, what's in it? And then okay. tell me why it has not made your menu yet. Okay. The bishop salad is a combination of a Stina summer salad, which has poppy seed fruit. Very and good. And toasted pecans. And Love it. Parmesan cheese and all that stuff may or may not apply to you on a certain day. And then the strawberries a la lane, which has chicken salad and strawberries. Right. And then those two you have somehow managed to merge. Well, it actually came from something we call the Great Divide. That's right. It was a wrap. Well, you didn't want the wrap. That's right. Yeah. Matthew Miller turned Matthew me on to the Miller. Great Divide. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I needed Personally, the I can't stand that combination of the two things. But I love separately. They're great. But, eh. Is there anyway. anybody else who's ordering that besides me? Has the um, word gotten out? No. Oh. No. Hmm. Well, Kobe, who used to work for me, who put the thing together in the first place, she'll order it just to make me mad. she knows how good it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, bishop. you want to ask why you call it the bishop? Yeah, why do we call it the why do you call it the bishop? Because how many years now have I addressed you as bishop? At least ten. Yeah. yeah. And you're the only one. Well I've, sure I'm I've, the only one. I've really hoped it would catch on. Oh, I, did you? I didn't know. I really I, do. I, yeah. Yes. I feel well, like I it would show a sign that. of respect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that maybe I should put on a collar and that would help. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a puppet. The bishop's great. Reverend will be good, but yeah. So anyway, yeah. the yeah. bishop, um, for those of you listening, you're welcome. I don't even know what's going to happen the rest of this episode, but just the fact that they got that little tip that they can order that, because yeah. that's true, right? Yeah. You can request I, it. You can ask for it, um, and it may take me a minute to go, uh, yeah, what's in the bishop again? Yeah. Tell me how to make it, because there are so many ingredients. Now, yeah. I will say it's beautiful. I've photographed it. On many occasions. Okay, if you do not like it, um, Bill Jeffrey, our producer, will give you your money back. So that is a promise. No, I like that. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. So yeah. give it a shot. Um, all right, so we've known each other for about 10 years, which is whenever you think you gave me the name, the bishop. Um, I know a little bit about you, but I don't know just a ton about your background. So I thought we'd start there. Um, tell me a little bit about where you came from and how you got to where you are today. Okay. That's a 53-year-old story, too. So I'm okay. ready. Uh, born in Germany, actually. Uh, Germany, yeah. Um, I know that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was a, an army baby. So my dad mm. was in Germany, so I was actually born there. We came back here um, to Jonesboro when I was about two. Okay. Um, and since then, from that point on, Paragould's been home for 50, 50 years. Okay. Yeah. So um, my parents are both from my, my mom is from Blyville. My dad is from Jonesboro. And so, um, yeah, close, you know, everybody's been pretty close in proximity in my family. Um, when I was, let's see, went to high school at Perigold High School. What year did you graduate? 1986, the last Bulldog. That was the last Bef Bulldog? That was, was the 86? last Bulldog before the new Bulldogs, you know, came back around later on. But okay. yeah, we were the last, last Bulldog. What were you like in high school? Oh, Gosh. <laughs> you know, not a whole lot different um, than I, and, and same hair, actually, <laughs> oddly That's enough, awesome. that I have today. But no, 
you know, I was fun. My sister was the the scholarly one. Okay. Um, she she was a lot more studious than than I, and then I, but I never missed an opportunity to have fun, mm-hmm. not in a horrible way. Yeah, I sure. just was a very social person and uh, made good grades. Uh, was a band geek and played the saxophone. Really? Quite you still well, play? I might add, I don't know. I don't know. I would like Robbie to Robbie has mentioned buying me one just to see if I could still you play. You should totally, yeah. yeah. What chair were you? If you might, oh, don't mind me asking. Well, first or second, kind of volleyed back and forth <laughs> with Michelle like Quinn. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Typically first. I mean, I like to, every now and then I'd give it up to her just on a, on a whim. <laughs> you know, I have, uh, I don't know if it's, um, I don't know what it is, but it just seems like being a high school student in the 80s could have been the greatest thing of all time. It was to me. And when I look back on it, it's what was it still like is. being a high school student in the eighties? Like, I mean, was it like Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Mm-hmm. Was it like, uh, is it Pretty in Pink? Is that the big? Um, you know, it was kind of a combination because you see a lot of those John Hughes movies, which are still my favorite, and he just really tapped into that whole mindset of nineteen eighties kids. Man. Such a. Um, now, I will say here in Paragould, we didn't have um, many different. We didn't have a lot of races. We didn't have a lot of 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 what we believe to be socioeconomic differences or anything like that. Even though we had them, we were just sort of oblivious to all of it. Really? Um, it was just like one big, you know, your your school, our senior class was like 80 people. Um, so, it, and it was just a fun time to be a kid, I think. I mean, we all had little problems that we all thought we had. Yeah. Um, but we just didn't, I don't know. We were in a bubble. Man, can you imagine how much, I mean, it's so different now. I mean, kids are getting cell phones yeah. by junior high or before junior mm-hmm. high, mm-hmm. and their minds are just being exposed to everything that's out there. And the world just seems like it's gotten so much smaller and more hostile at the same time. The fact it's like, like you can go to any part of the world and like people are dressing alike now, mm-hmm. you know, because they're all just looking at these celebrities. That's or interesting, kind of yeah. it's, it's, it, but it's Or you don't you, even have to, it doesn't matter what you look like because you can change the way you look. Yes. Uh, filters and things like that, which I'll have to say, I, I hate filters because you don't, you, people aren't content with themselves anymore. Yeah. You know, women aren't content to be, to look a certain way or to, to feel pretty. They've got to put some sort of, you know, Absolutely. wash face, you know, so I'm not a filter fan unless I'm playing with my grandson or something like that. And we do those big faces, and, <laughs> but you know, it's just, it's, everyone's starting to look the same. You're right. Not just yeah. dress the same, but look the same. Yes. Yeah, it's and it just, it, yeah, it, it robs us of our joy, too. I, saw, I don't remember who, I didn't come up with this, but someone said comparison is the joy thief, and it's like, yes. that's so true. Yes. And that's what social media is like. It does. Max I mean, Lucado you get on there. Last Max week Lucado. in my book, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, oh. well, props to Max. So yeah. I, I'm curious, um, before we move out of the 80s, <laughs> favorite bands? What was what were you into? What kind oh, of like gosh. I was really, really across the board, very eclectic um, in my style i loved phil collins i love rat and poison and okay. motley crew and i loved sticks and i loved phil collins and i loved uh wham and i love i mean so i loved uh, so sting the police yeah. i mean yeah I, I was a music and still am i love all country you know i i i was kind of everywhere i had a, an appreciation for music though you know my sister and i both did Obviously, Different so kinds. you're in high school, eighty six. You graduate. You did you know what you wanted to do coming out of high school? I thought I did. 
Okay. You know, we all kind of do. Um, Which was what? What did you think you were uh, going to do? Teach, teach school, okay. uh, teach special ed. Now, I always had a, a fondness, a very fondness for, uh, for gifted persons, uh, special needs persons. Um, when I was young, I started working with Special Olympics with George Haynes. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about Dr. George Allen Haynes, mm-hmm. but he was just a, a very key figure in in Special Olympics in this area. And so when I, I could not wait to be the certain age that you had to be to be a hugger and to really? be a volunteer for Special Olympics. Yeah, so that was always my heart. Where do you think that came from? Uh, I don't know. It's still my heart. I mean, I love, um, you know, I, I'm an underdog girl, and I, I love right. – um, special needs and special people and, you know, I don't know. I like to love on people. Yeah. Um, but what anyway. Makes you say, what makes you say you're an underdog girl? The reason I ask that is because I, I somewhat feel like I can relate, not with the girl part, but mm. the underdog part. Yeah. So anytime I hear someone say that, I'm just like, why did, why did you say that? I say it because I, I just like people who get, I don't know, who might otherwise get passed over or not considered, or um, what's the word I'm looking for, where you underestimate someone's potential, and then, you know, being able to tap into that and kind of see what, you know, I just, I love those kind of people, I love those stories, Absolutely. because it's really cool to see somebody who who you think wouldn't have done or couldn't have done something, and then, ta-da. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree 100%, and I think for me, because I've done some work around this, just like trying to even understand why that is. And I think when I look back at my life, I can see times, I think especially like middle school, like around the time like people start trying out for things and mm-hmm. you get picked or you don't get picked. Mm-hmm. And um, there are times like, oh, man, I feel like I was good enough to make this team or whatever else, but I got overlooked. And so like I think it gave me a sense of somewhat empathy as I got older for people who felt that way. And um, I'm just more mindful that's of interesting, it. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I just wonder, yeah, for you, if that's, was that all your story? If it's like, no, I don't really know, but I just have always had that yeah. part. Yeah. So that's cool though. So early on, you have a desire to work with people um, who are gifted, mm-hmm. maybe overlooked, considered outcasts. So you go into college and yeah, I guess you're like, I'm going to So teach. yeah. And I also went into college, uh, married after the first year so I also thought that you know as we a lot of us did back and and that's interesting about the 80s a lot of us married young yes um and then we you know went to college and uh went to ASU and um I I loved college I loved it in a different way I was uh went there on a scholarship found out the first semester what actually you have to do to keep something like that because I never had to study um, it just always kind of came naturally, you know, well, that doesn't happen when you <laughs> get to college and you actually have to be there, um, all the time. You can't have that social thing that I used to do. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, but after that I learned, I learned that first semester lesson and then it became, yeah, now I'm paying for this. So, and I, I loved, I loved college in a different way. I, I love the, the studying part of it. I love the classes. I just, you yeah. know kind of turned into a, a nerd, I guess, really? in college. Yeah. So you threw yourself all in. Yep. And graduated what year? Oh, gosh, let's see. It's December of 91, I think. Because I went as right into teaching as an Indian. Why are yeah. they always changing the mascots after you leave? I don't know. I guess they just think that after me, they just can't 
you know, I, I really don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. You know, I never thought about that. Yeah, that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to get you to You're think about that. You're here to get me to think about that? <laughs> You've never yeah. thought about that. We'll go back to old boyfriends on that side. <laughs> Later, it'll be like, why did old boyfriends do this after you? <laughs> the the 2.0. Yeah. So, um, so you graduate early 90s, and you go, do you go right into teaching? Right into teaching. That? Where at? Right into teaching at Perigold Junior High. Oh. Old building that so used to sit on the, you've seen pictures of the old. Yeah, so you were there? I was there. Man, how sad is that? Yeah. That and I mean, I look like a kid walking through those halls, too. But no one knew I was What a was teacher. that building like? Because oh, it, it looks was awful. Um, was it awful? Yeah, it was awful. Okay, that's good to hear because I feel so angry that it's not here anymore. But no, no. no. I mean, well, in its day, it was amazing, I'm sure. And it had so much character. You know, you yes. don't get that a lot. So there, I remember um, just cool things about, but I just remember as an adult, I mean, because I went to school there, Did too. Did you like it as a kid? Was it? Yeah, it was cool. Okay. That was the Pretty in Pink School. Okay, so take, yeah. you walked in, the front doors there where the pillars are? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and then what is what was the layout so like? There was an office to the left. The principal's offices would be to the left, vice principal and the principal. Okay. Um, and, and my principal was, uh, oh, gosh, Harry Branch was a yeah. vice principal. Oh, gosh, who was my principal? Was, I'll remember it. I'll it remember Clark, it. Rusty Clark? Uh, no, Mr. Henry. Mr. Henry, yeah. Anyway, and so there was, over on the right, there was a teacher's lounge, it's so cool. Now I'm kind of going back in time. And then as you go forward, there was a big auditorium. And then, you know, filter out into the hallways here. So library was on the second floor. It was the Pretty wow. Pink School. Pretty Pink School. Yeah. Gym? Was there a gym in there? There was a gym, but it was detached. So okay. you walk outside, and then there was a band room over on the corner lot, uh, which sits... Um, Oh, it's that little ridge there that's a little alleyway now behind, like, Smile Designs and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it just, it was, but by the time it got, it needed to go. Okay. It needed to go. You'd have to bang as a teacher. You know, I'm banging on the radiator to try to get heat, (laughs) and and it was just kind of a dangerous place to be. And obviously, it wasn't wasn't geared toward um, anyone with any kind of limitations as far as, you know, being able to get up and down stairs. And so, you know, those are things that. We've all evolved yes. into, we yes. know better now. Yes. Yeah. So you're starting there. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that experience like for you? Besides the fact that the building was <laughs> falling apart. It was great. It was great. I mean, it was everything I wanted it to be. I was very into uh, teaching. I mean, it was everything I wanted to do at that time. Um, and keep in mind that I taught um, um, resource. I taught special education. There's a whole other political thing that kind of goes along with that. So, um but I loved my kids. I loved all of them. And they were an interesting melting pot um, in my room. Really, really good good group. Um, so, yeah, I loved that. And then um, I found out I was, I was pregnant with my daughter mm. and then uh, missed a little bit of time there. It was, it was really interesting, yeah. And then so I was st- after I had Julia, I was still in that building. And then that summer, we moved out to the, you know, the big campus, which is what it is now. We mm-hmm. just thought we had all gone to, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh gosh, it was great. Yeah. High uh, tech. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I missed that, you know, I kind of missed those days of when I first started, and it was such a small, you know, you miss a little bit of everything when you yeah, move Yeah, because that was before else. Stanford Consolidated, right? Mm-hmm. And y'all started taking their Dela oh, Plain or whoever uh, it was. Like, y'all started Oak taking Grove. Oak Grove. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, actually, Oak Grove had already, because after 1986, that's when Oak Grove and Perigold consolidated. That's why we were the last Bulldog. I got you. Yeah. Okay. So how long did you teach? 
I taught for five and a half years. Five and a half mm-hmm. years. So are we talking like mid nineties now? Mm-hmm. Yep. So pick me up from there. Did you at that point were you beginning to be like, you know what? I can make a pretty dang good sandwich. Uh, no, Mm-mm, no. Okay. Um, at that point, now you know, going back in time a little bit, there was always this little thing about how I always loved chefs, always loved good food, always loved rest. There was always a passion in me about food. I had always loved to cook, so we'll pick that up later. But anyway, um, so in the nineties, and and I might have burned myself out a little bit too on teaching because. There was a lot of it. Like I said, there special educators. I mean, they deserve a lot of credit, even more so now. Um, but there are so many things that you have to go through. You can't just teach. You you have to do so much more. And I, at that age and at that point in my life, I was a cheerleading sponsor too. By the way. Oh wow. Yeah, we had the number one um, squad in the nation. For real. For real. Yeah. Did you cheerlead in high school? I did not cheerlead in high school. Did you tell them that you played saxophone? Of course, yeah. How did you do that? Yeah. How did you pull? How did well, I didn't have to know what I was doing. That's oh. what Bill Grogan's for. Okay. Yeah, See, that's I was a sponsor. On my part. We, it was our job to make sure that people now anymore probably your sponsors have a little bit more knowledge, but um, we just yeah, I just love the cheerleaders and and we were you we, really number one in the nation. They were number one. Yeah, the first year, the first year we went to nationals, I think we were number like seven or eight. Jeez. And then the. The, somebody would have to correct me on that. So maybe Tiffany Felty can tell me about that. But anyway, um, and then um, the next year, they were number one. They Do you feel like awesome. that you turned them into the winners they were? No. Okay. It wasn't no, you. No, Bill Grogan did that. But we take credit for it all the That's time. That's incredible. Yeah, we'll I take, no I'll take credit that, for it. That the Paragold cheerleaders were ever. Oh, they were amazing. That was mid-90s, you when you, see, when you see a girl pick up another girl straight up over her head and then you see I mean it's just I was in awe it really was and I was so impressed with them and so proud of them so um so yeah. you're so there was all this stuff going on you know I just was yeah. so when you're young you just throw yourself into so yeah. much and it's no wonder we burn you're ourselves passionate, out right? you're Excited. passionate I was still passionate I love my kids I was going to change the world realized I couldn't mm-hmm. and then I thought okay I'm gonna start making some money I think I want to do some stuff to make some money. Mm-hmm. So from that point on, I went to Metropolitan Life, sold uh, insurance, mutual security funds, did all that. Hmm. Um, then I went to a place that so many people know and love mm-hmm. called Wells Co., which was kind of yeah. a um, point of, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, made a lot of money there. What would you do at Wells Co.? And I was a, a cat operator. I drew, yeah. Oh, really? I was good at it. I was really good at it. Made a lot of good money doing it. Okay. Um, uh, just, you know, I kind of went through that whole period of, uh, in my late 20s and 30s, of just the searching. You know, that's mm-hmm. when the searching starts. Oh, and you think you need to make a lot of money, and yep. and uh, you're not happy there. You're never going to be happy there, because mm. that's that's another story. Mm. Um, so anyway, then, um, in the in-between point of all that, uh, my mom was beginning to open a uh, mom and I always had this running joke we would go eat somewhere and she would say you know I think we can make this at home and it got to the point where we would make a joke out of it because before we would even oh, we yeah, could make this yeah, at home yeah. but anyway my mom wanted to do a um, a catering but more of an event um, mm-hmm. set up kind of place mm-hmm. and uh, I loved the cooking part of it and so we decided to, to go venture into that together and then at some point along the way, it was more like, okay, mom, I think I'm ready to just do, I want to do food. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was just sort of a, it wasn't an overnight thing. It was just sort of, it evolved into that. And then that began my, that was 2001. Did you start with, like, what kind of food were you doing in the beginning? Was it like so a- that's interesting, too, because I was down here, you know, in, in Chow's old building. So I okay, started there. So you, you got that pretty quick, like, you moved into that yeah. pretty quickly after yeah. you made that decision. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, that was 2001. And then that was a divided building then, um, which, so it's Mary Broadaway. Her oh. office was on the other side. Hmm. Um, and so then, um, I can't remember what year it was that when Mary moved out, then we busted into the other mm-hmm. side of that. But anyway, uh, when I first moved in there, it, so interesting. I moved in there to do um, meals, dinners for people who were too busy mm-hmm. to cook and wanted to come in, needed something for nighttime. I knew this model in my head. I wanted it so badly. Where I was, the location just didn't serve that so well. We had tables for, I could seat nine or ten, and that's it. And it was just supposed to be the storefront for what I really wanted to do, which was meals to go Mm -hmm. and things like that. Well, so that was 20 years ago. And then it sort of, I had three specials a day. I was like, if they don't want them, they don't have to have them, but we're doing three a day. There was no menu. Um, So I put that out every day. And it sort of evolved, and then it became, okay, well, the restaurant grew. And then we needed to bust through that wall. And then we had seating for 48 whatever people. And then it was, and then sort of I got away from, I was catering. I did weddings all the time. I did lots of events and, you know, so I kind of cycled through all of that in the business. To where you are now. To where we are now, which is, interestingly enough, uh, dinner's on demand and to go and you know COVID's kind of thrown us into a different a little paradigm there and and it's it's like I've come full circle and come home to what I originally wanted to do it's been crazy what was it like whenever COVID hit for y'all was it ever a moment when you were like oh man how are we gonna make it or no really no and this is this is the it's the God section of our talk, but um, and, and I've I've told people that we give the credit one hundred percent to to being a faith based business. Um, if you look, Jared, across the board, you look at businesses that are that are, that have thrived and just Chick Fil A, faith based business. And so, yes, there were nights when I would go home and think, oh, okay, we're gonna have to change again. We're gonna have to change again. We're gonna have to change again. There was never fear, and and that I'm I'm still just so thankful for because it was like every day you get up, you pray, you pray when you go to bed. Just tell me what to do, mm-hmm. and we're gonna do it. I'm not mm-hmm. scared anymore. I don't have time to be scared. Mm-hmm. We gotta change. We gotta mm-hmm. change. So we went through about three or four different business models in 2020, um, and our customers followed suit with I mean we have the uh, hands down I dare anyone to have better customers well, than me that, or say that you do how does that happen I mean I agree because like whenever I go eat there it's like a lot of times even I'm like oh, man I'm pretty sure I saw that person last time I was here yeah but what do you um, attribute that to how did you develop such a loyal customer base uh, you know again I just think God has positioned those people for me, you know, and I don't, I don't have to talk about this. I know, you know, you're a pastor, but we've known each other a long time. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to sit and talk yeah. about about God, but that is the the key element because He's brought those people to me. Mm-hmm. He positioned me there. 
position those people he's positioned us to do the ministries that we do through the business it's all it's all in his design so mm-hmm. i just have gotten to where i start listening now when early on i was scared i was so wound up so tightly and robbie will tell you when he and i first met and got together <laughs> did not like me <laughs> first he thought I was too expensive and then he just you know we, we just he just didn't care for me that much I think I was too tightly wound up for him um, we were friends for a long time but I don't you know what changed that, um, that allowed you to loosen up a little bit um God yoga Robbie huh mm-hmm. and this guy who stood in front of me and was like what is your problem why are you so you're like a three-day clock wound up and I was like well you just don't understand no I don't I don't understand and so you know one of those and then and then just allowing the natural order of things to take over you know you can't you cannot control everything I cannot be the Holy Spirit of the world yeah I can't even be that in my own business I had to put things in perspective and so you put God in in first and then you find your peace, which was my yoga and my teaching and my training and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And then finding someone to challenge you mm-hmm. to let you know that yeah. not, ev- not everything is as big a deal as you think it is. Is it, yeah. is it safe to say that he's somewhat of your opposite? In Robbie? Some of those, yes. Yes. And I, and I think that's very important for people to hear that. Yeah. Because we get married, and when we get married, I think a lot of times people have this ideal view of, like, I'm basically, I don't think we even realize we're doing it. Like, I kind of want to marry somewhat of a version of myself mm. in some ways. And then, like, when we realize, like, oh, wait, they want to handle money differently than I do. They want to handle conflict differently than I do. They want to spend time differently than I And the, my, at least my initial reaction, I think a lot of people's is, like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Like, you need to change. Yeah. And what we don't realize, a lot of times it's, yes, it's very hard, but that's God's gift. Mm-hmm. Because he's given us someone who is the opposite of us, because we need someone to balance us out. Yeah, that's the balance. And now I will say, Robbie and I, initially, we we what brought us together was uh, mission outreach. We were on the same. Mm-hmm. Robbie was in charge of the uh, board that was in charge of the Chili Rodeo, and uh, which was something your brother and I, you yeah. know, we all worked together on. Um, but that's where we really. Um, fell in love, yeah. you know, all the, the yeah. magic happened. Yes. Uh, but um, You found a purpose that y'all I've, could rally around Yeah, together. yeah, yeah. And and we really started having a lot of respect for each other in, in what we did and what we cared about. Um, I respected his uh, organizational skills, which is amazing, you know, even though he's this, you wouldn't look at Robbie and think he is a completely yeah. organized person. But anyway, we, we were attracted to each other because of the similarities. I think that's everybody. Sure. Yep. Everybody's attracted yep. to you know, um, and, and we were both have a pretty good sense of humor Mm -hmm. and are a little bit quirky and we still are, that hasn't gone away, but then you do learn. He is, he is the yin and I am the yang and I, you know, I'm pretty tend to be a little bit more, um, what do you say? Um, I don't even know, expressive and Robbie just sort of sits back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's my wife. Yeah. So, you know, we're just, we balance each other really well. And and of course there's always, there is conflict. I'm sure there are, there's conflict with you to to say you have anything perfect would be a lot. Absolutely. Or you're just not there yet. But, um, you know, we, we, we are two chiefs. We've had somebody describe us that way, but we're two chiefs of different tribes and how we handle things and how we do Mm -hmm. things. Uh, at home, he's, he's in charge. You know, in my business, I'm in charge. I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. When I come home, you know, we, we know who the leader of our house is. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Yeah. Do you, I'm curious, 
do you still enjoy the business aspect and what you're doing with Kiss the Cook as much as you did when you first started? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, it, it do you has think its being challenges. able to lighten up a little bit has helped with that? Being able to lighten up. And I tell you, being able to lighten up, again, in, in God's plan of how we were going to get from point A to here, um, it, it's allowed me to say, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect. Hmm. We're going to screw this up. We may make a mistake today. Hmm. Um, it's allowed me to be completely transparent with my um, with my customers, mm. uh, with being able to get on and say, "Hey, here's what's happened this week. So here's what we're going to do. You know, we're not going to lie and say, oh, well, we're just going to make some. You know, it's seventy degrees, the sun is shining, and everything's per- well. No, mm-hmm. um, I've learned how to be really transparent with That's my huge. customers. It is awesome. so important, and in business, I say, you know. If there's one thing I've learned, let your customers have ownership in what's going on. Mm. Tell them what's happening mm. in your world, or they don't know. That's right. They don't yeah. even know. You know, if they get frustrated with something, you know, it's because they don't know. A lot of times we're so afraid to let people know what's going on because mm-hmm. we want things to appear so perfect. Absolutely. Yep. And I think that's why the, the consumer, the public, gets frustrated because they just don't know. Yep. They're not educated <laughs> in yeah. what's going on. Yeah. And our industry has taken a, a phenomenal. Um, and there are other interest, industries. I'm not trying to discredit any any job right now because we know where the, you know, <laughs> with yeah. the pyramid, yeah. how it goes. Yeah. But the restaurant industry has taken a huge, huge mm-hmm. hit. And um, we've had to be transparent to explain why the changes were, were coming into play. Here's what we're doing for you. Here's what we're doing for us. Here's why. Here, and I think it's really important. We're still pivoting. We're still changing. Yes. Like, we're on vacation this week because we've been kind of forced into it. Uh, I don't take vacations very often, mm-hmm. but I'm learning that this is probably a good thing mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um and it wasn't a COVID situation. It was a, a manpower situation. But while we're off, we're still making changes mm-hmm. so that we come back. Uh, we come back next week, but in a few weeks, there's going to be a whole different look when you come in again. There have been three different looks in the last year, but now there's another look coming into play. And it's going to be all about um, relaxation and mm. space and kind of what people, mm. what we think people need right now based on what we've been seeing. Awesome. So it's kind of cool. It's so I, I still love what I'm doing because it just keeps changing. And if that's COVID related, if it's whatever related, if it's if it's me being a little more laid back, if it's the the staff I have with me right, you know, I don't yeah. know what that yeah. to relate that to, yeah. but it's I love it. That's I awesome. still love to cook. I still love what I do, and I love people. And that's great. Yeah, it's it's so, so much easier to enjoy what you're doing whenever you're not. Uh, constantly afraid of failing and whenever you don't feel like it has to be perfect i think that's what takes the joy out of things whenever you put so much pressure on yourself and you can't make mistakes and Mm -hmm. then it becomes just miserable um but i'll tell you you know jared too that i think going back to to our purpose because you know we're not just a a restaurant we're not just a foodery we're not just that is that we have ministries that we do throughout mm-hmm. the business and mm-hmm. those ministries are directly linked to our customers mm-hmm. you know they are the ones who make that happen mm-hmm. so and i think again that goes back to letting them have some ownership in what mm-hmm. you're doing mm-hmm. 
And uh, I think that's another reason that, that, you know, God's kind of put his blanket over us and said, you know, we, we want this to happen because we want you to be able to keep doing Absolutely. the things that you do. So right. we're able to serve the food bank and we're able to, to do our tip ministry and still give, you know, that those things are not going to go away. You that's know, they're awesome. just not. We're going to keep finding a way to do them. Yeah. That's the whole idea of the principle, right? You're faithful with little and you can be faithful mm-hmm. with much. Yep. So. Yep. You've hit on this. I think this is a question I'll, I'll end with. You've already answered, I think, a little bit. But um, what do you credit the success to? And, and I know you said God, but I'm interested in like just a practical, um, on-the-ground level for someone who might be listening, who's interested in starting a business. Maybe mm-hmm. they have a dream. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't want to be doing whatever I'm doing for the rest of my life, and I'd like to start my own business, or whether it's a restaurant or whatever else. Are there any tips you can give them? I know you, you've talked about giving people ownership. You've talked about vulnerability. Um, you've talked, as I listen to you talk, don't be afraid to change mm-hmm. and pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's huge. You don't mm-hmm. get kind of stuck in a rut. And, hey, we've always done it this way, and that's just the way we're going to do it. Is there anything else you can tell somebody, whether it's a, a man or woman out there that just have a desire, maybe just because that's a big risk. It mm-hmm. feels like to go start your own business. Whenever you leave a place, like, wherever you were at Wellsco, whatever, mm-hmm. and you're getting this, like you said, I was making good money or whatever, to leave something that feels somewhat solid to like, you know, we're going to go into uncharted territory and we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Any advice? Um, you know, my advice is, I guess, I don't know if it's the right advice or not, but it's, it's just to not take yourself so seriously and not mm-hmm. be afraid. Um, I was a single mom for 10 years. So when I started my business second year in, it was, you know, it was what I had. And I had nothing. Wow. Uh, there, you know, that was the sole income. So I think maybe, you know, that might have been why I was wound up so tightly because it was like, right. okay. You know. But um, you, you have to be, I guess, just willing to put it to put it all out there. And you have to have a plan. I think a lot of people anymore, they they get excited. You know, they have an idea. And they have a dream, but that's a lot different than a plan. Yes. And so I think a lot of people fail because they don't want to take the time to plan or they want someone else to plan their dream for them. And I don't think that works so much either. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might, I know there are people mm-hmm. who are skilled at, at small business. I know there are people who are skilled, but you can't have someone, you know, micromanage and design what's in your heart and what mm-hmm. your dream is. Mm-hmm. Only you know that. And uh, we have small businesses going in all the time in this town and who are successful. And you can see why, because it's what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. It's what their dream is. If you're going to open a small business, you better love what you're doing. Yes. And you better not be doing it to make money. Yeah. It's cool. not that you can't. It's that that doesn't need to be your goal. Yeah. Anybody can make money doing anything, but you've got to give it. It's, it needs to be your heart's desire. It needs to be your passion because it's, you're going to have to give it everything you have. Yeah. And like I said, put it all out there, lay it all out there for it, and you got to love it. And you can tell people who love what they do, and you can tell people who just do what they do. Every day they go in, and, and you can just tell people who, who hate, even if it's their own you know, I mean, you know what I, you, you've uh, seen that. You've seen the difference in the two. Yeah. But to me, success is kind of measured in not just dollars, but it's measured in, in really, really loving what you do and going in every day and, yes. and just being happy there. Yeah. 
what you were able to do is I look at your at your or listen to your story is you were able to to find I think the basically you were able to marry together what you were good at and what you enjoy and mm-hmm. I think like that's key for anything we do as a career is find something you're really good at you were good at cooking right you your mom mm-hmm. like we could do better mm-hmm. than this mm-hmm. and you really enjoyed it and yeah. it's like man if you can do that as a career something I'm good at and I enjoy like it doesn't hopefully you can make some money yeah but even if you don't make a ton of I'm money still hoping for that yeah. 20 years <laughs> later I'm hoping to <laughs> Yeah, well, you're yeah. you're doing such an awesome job, and it it it's inspiring to me to hear your story. I knew a little bit of it; I didn't know all of it, and so I'm so glad you guys are here and and have been oh, able thanks. to thrive even during COVID. And so, you know, I got one more thing to say though, Jared. Which, yeah. You know, just kind of I think about this a lot lately. But if you're gonna open a small business, please love people. I mm-hmm. mean, we live in a world now where it's just I think people don't they don't look at at each other the way they used to and with that goes back to having your face in something all the time and but you know we're all here to love on each other and to bring out the best in each other mm-hmm. and that's what businesses they kind of do they connect communities and they connect people and if you don't love people you know we can we, we live in an age where people love their animals more than they love the people in their lives and that's it's not sad for those people. It's sad because if if we're not if that's the best job we can do mm-hmm. at, at getting people to love us, then we gotta we've gotta fix something. Mm-hmm. Um, but please, if you're gonna open a business, if you're gonna start a business, just learn how to love people again. You yeah. know, I mean, we're we're all here obviously for a reason, yes. and it's not just a wander around. Yeah. You know smooching on our on our dogs <laughs> even though i love my dog i mean yeah. i she's yeah. she runs the house yeah. but there's just we need to assess why we don't we don't love each other the way we used to and kind of figure out who's failing whom you know? yeah so. i just want to end and let that question sit i don't want to add anything to it of yeah I'm just sitting back and remembering it's all about love and then doing a little bit of a self-evaluation of why is it that maybe am i loving as well as I can be. If not, like, what is this keeping me from that? Um, so, Libby, thanks so much for You're coming welcome. on. It's great yeah. spending time with you. You too. And that is a wrap. Get it? Mm-hmm. I do get it. Um, Libby, thanks so much for coming in. Hey, if you're still listening to this, seriously, give the bishop a shot. Have you had it, Bill? No, I have not. Because it has meat on it? Probably because it has meat. Fun I, fact. Yeah. Bill, our producer, is a vegetarian. No, uh, plant-based, What's vegan, uh, no cheese. Vegetarians no, no do cheese. Dairy. Yeah, vegetarians can do cheese. Okay. Yeah, so cheese is like hardened meat because it's the same DNA. You don't want it in your system if you want to be plant-based. Do you feel good on the plant-based? Oh yeah. You feel great. Yeah. You lost a lot of weight. Yeah. You're looking good. Thank you. Um, I'm feeling a little sluggish right now, actually. Maybe I should move over to it. Mm-hmm. But that's for another episode. Hey, if you're still listening, <laughs> I'm surprised. Uh, thank you for staying with us. Um, I want to encourage you to check us out on all our different social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we have a website, purglepodcast.com, and um, we're on places like Spotify and iTunes. And if you're going to listen on iTunes, please be sure and give us a five-star rating. That helps people to find us and learn more about the incredible people 
uh, and incredible sandwiches right here in Paragould, Arkansas. And so, again, uh, thanks for listening. Until next time.